learned a few things this morning about me and I've learned that I can't trust Andrew. <laughs> so it's as simple as that, you know, anybody that does a stalk on you behind your back on a YouTube and picks the most embarrassing thing that you've ever done and then decides to share it with everybody as an intro to your credibility. <laughs> I'm aware of that. <laughs> you could have picked a preaching clip or something like that. <laughs> oh, what a great honour and privilege. Thank you for allowing me to share the Word of God with everybody to today. It's an awesome, it's an awesome uh, privilege and it's an awesome uh, joy to share the Word of God particularly now as we come into this last 15 months, you all deserve some sort of endurance medal. And uh, John's gospel is so rich, isn't it? I hope that you've really enjoyed that. One of the things that I, I found that when I was a, a brand new believer and I wanted to understand the person of Jesus, I just spent a long time working through John's gospel and asking myself, what are we learning about Jesus here? Who does Jesus say that he is? and all those great passages that you've all covered together. So 15 months. Uh, next week, they're going to do a recap, but today we're going to conclude the textual part of the thing. And I just want to say, as we move toward this last thing, this last part of our journey together as a church through John, I'll, I think it's really important that we don't switch off at this time, that we switch on, that we say, okay, God, what is it that I can take away from this? Is there something that I now need to do uh, out of John's gospel? So I'm going to pray for us right now. Uh, Heavenly Father, as we open John's gospel and look at this last part of this last chapter, we pray, Heavenly Father, that you would really bless us, that you would speak powerfully to us through your written word and also through the person of the Holy Spirit. We pray to God that we would be open. We pray to God that you would give us ears to hear, hearts to receive, spirits to be ignited, and hands to do the will of God in our lives. So we open ourselves, speak, we're here to listen. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, we're going to conclude our uh, John's Gospel as it does by focusing on the person of Peter. And so we found that the good, I've got good news for you today with Peter, if we can change our next slide up, please, that'd be great. Uh, that we found when we look at the, the person of Peter, we left him basically in the courtyard and then last week we saw him jumping out of the boat and running to Jesus for the beach barbecue. And we find that this encounter, this last encounter with Jesus recorded in John's Gospel, that he gets restored that he gets renewed and he gets relaunched into ministry. Peter's journey of ministry and leadership is really just beginning here and then we see it so prominently in the book of Acts. To be restored, to be renewed, to be relaunched as he encountered the risen Christ and he was infused by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so that's just as true for us as we sit here today. As we think of the story of Peter, I want us to think about our own stories. I want us to think about the stories of how, how God restores us, how God renews us, and how God continually relaunches us into an experience of the risen Christ and an empowerment by the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to read this passage. It'll come up on the screen. I just want to read our passage for us today. The first part of it, uh, verse 15 to verse 19, I'm reading from the New International Version. 
Uh, my title is uh, Jesus Reinstates Peter. When they had finished eating the beach barbecue, uh, coal-fired, Jesus said uh, to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. And Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Well, Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted, but when you are old, you stretch out your, out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. And Jesus uh, said this to indicate the kind of death that Peter would glorify God. Then he said, follow me. Well, did you notice something there that was the parallel in that passage to what had happened in the courtyard of the high priest? What happened in the courtyard of the high priest when he's standing around and Jesus looked at him just before the cock crowed? What happened? Three things happened. He did what? He denied Jesus three times. And then, of course, the cock crowed, and, of course, he just broke down. He was completely overwhelmed and convicted by what he had done. He'd let Jesus down. And so here in his restoration, uh, Jesus goes to him and he has a threefold restoration of Peter. And you know it's going to be serious because he says, Simon, son of John. Now, you know when you get in trouble? And you know when you, you, you might still get that. You might be an adult who has to have their whole name read back to them on a regular basis to get your full attention. Anybody out there? Yeah. Mm. Larry Ian Galbraith, are you listening? Must be the Lord. No, it's just my wife. Um, and, and so what happens when, when, when Jesus, he just doesn't refer to him as Peter, but he refers to them as in this very formal way. And so he gets his attention. He grabs, it's going to be serious what Jesus has to say here. And Jesus goes through this threefold uh, restoration of him. And he lets him and lifts him up into this new state and he restores him. And then we see in the book of Acts the Holy Spirit comes and Peter is a completely transformed human being. And so Jesus forgives him. It's interesting that we can pronounce forgiveness over somebody, but we can struggle to trust them and sometimes we withdraw from them. Peter both trusts, uh, in Jesus, Jesus trusts Peter, and he doesn't withdraw from Peter. He in fact trusts him and reconciles with him. And he does that with us. You know, we all blow it. We all sin, we all deny Jesus in our own way. It's really important to realize and recognize that Jesus is willing to trust us again. Jesus is willing to forgive us. And Jesus is willing to restore us and renew us and launch us into a better future. You see, here is the good shepherd. Here is the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. We read about that in John chapter 10. 
We also know one thing about the good shepherd is that in the stories where Jesus talks about sheep, when there's a straying sheep, what does the shepherd do in the story of the straying sheep in Luke 15? When the sheep wanders off, there's three lost stories. He goes, what? He goes after him. I've got news for you today. If you've strayed away from Jesus and you're miles away from him, heads up, he's coming for you. You know, you're not safe in your bramble bush over there of sin. I'm telling you what, Jesus is coming after you. And he's going to grab hold of you because he has not given up on you. He's going to lift you up. He's going to put him on his shoulders. He's going to bring you back rejoicing because that's the nature of the good shepherd. The good shepherd is the one who goes after the sheep. And Peter was a straying sheep, but Jesus didn't just let him go. He went after him. He restored him. He renewed him. And he launched him into a better and brighter future, empowered by the Holy Spirit. And that's what he does in our lives. So if you're out there straying alone, caught up in the brambles of sin, look out. <laughs> look out. The good shepherd's coming. And the good shepherd will look and he will seek, and he will look and he seeks until he finds you, because his work with you is never done. He wants to bring you back into the fold. What an, what an amazing thing. So he wants to forgive us. He wants to trust us. It's kind of a bit like a computer. He wants to wipe the hard drive of our sin off, sin away, and he wants to reinstate the program he has for our lives. And isn't that wonderful? That's what he's done on the cross. He's wiped our sin and he wants to reinstate the plan that he has for his life. There's a great lesson when we compare what happened with Judas and what happened with Peter. We found that with Judas, instead of coming to Jesus, what did he do? He withdrew from Jesus. He got consumed with guilt. He tried to make it good by returning the pieces of silver and yet what happened? He'd withdrawn from Jesus. He was wracked with guilt. He was deeply involved with shame and despair and his life ended in self-destruction. The contrast is with Peter is that he ran to Jesus, was renewed and restored. And I'll, I'll never forget, or possibly forgive Andrew for that picture of uh, of. Uh, of uh, Tom Hanks jumping out of the boat last year, last week, when he was, you know, his, to his mind, to Andrew's mind, it was like Jesus, when Peter jumped out of the boat, it was like Forrest Gump jumping out of the shrimping boat and running off to whoever he was running off to in the thing. And so when, I, I, when I'm thinking of Peter, now I've got this picture of Tom Hanks in midair like this. I'm going, I'm sure that's not biblical. I'm sure... You know, and then, see, this is the difference. When Peter ran to Jesus, friends, what do we do when we blow it? Do we run away from Jesus or do we run to Jesus? Because when we run away from Jesus, we get consumed with our own guilt and our own failings. We get consumed with the fact that we've blown it. We can end up in a spiral of self-destruction and shame. But Jesus beckons us to come to him, to be restored, to be renewed. And then Peter is looking for a twofold response. He's looking for a response of heart and he's looking for a response of hands. And so he asks this heart question three times of Peter. If we can go to our next slide, please. He asks the question, do you love me? Do you love me? It's an interesting question. I think here today we, we, it's pretty safe to say we, we believe in God. Uh, we recognise he's true. We might fear God. 
But it really occurred to me in reflecting on this passage that those are the words that really stood out to me. Do you love me? And as I thought about that for my own life, fear God, I believe in God, I follow Jesus. How am I on the love scale? Do I love him? And so perhaps that's for us to reflect upon today. And it's interesting here that that Jesus asks Peter this question three times. Do you love me? If someone asked you three times, do you love them? And you meant to love them. How would you feel about that? If you don't know how you'd feel about that, just go home to a family member and uh, somebody you say that you love and you just, just ask them three times, do you love me? And then they might embarrassingly say something. And then ask, do you really love me? And by the time you get to the third thing, they're going to get their dander up and you're going to be in a whole lot of strife. But the whole thing is that Jesus is saying, do you really love me? Because there's going to be a heart question and there's going to be a hands question. Because Jesus wants us to respond with both our hearts and our hands in following him. He wants us to love him above all else. You know, anyone who loves me, Matthew 10, 37 says, anyone who loves me, who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Now, Karen mentioned a few weeks ago, that's a really tough verse, you know, the, the idea that we would love God and even give our life for him. And that was a huge question, you know, how much do we love our family? Well, we were on grandparent duty last night. We love our grandkids. I've got two of them. They're both the most fabulous grandchildren in the world. So I'm sorry that yours aren't quite up to that standard of mine. But nevertheless, God will bless you. Uh, and so we had Mr. Ten-Year-Old staying with us. And at 3.30 this morning, we hear, Nana, Nana. And I thought, well, that's a call on my wife. <laughs> and so, it, it, Nana, Nana. So he's got incredible tummy pain. So out of guilt, no, out of love, I got out of bed too. And we went over and we And so at 3.30 this morning, guess where we were? That was a Gosford emergency. Yay! Yeah! We're at Gosford emergency at 3.30 in the morning. And I'm thinking, I'm preaching in the morning. This is just awesome. Thank you for your plan of my life. <laughs> guess who's still at emergency with my wife trying to work out what's going on. He's got a tummy pain. He looks like it's going to be okay. But it's a powerful love. So I'm texting my daughter at 3.30 in the morning. She's appreciating that. <laughs> she didn't respond, so I texted her husband. He appreciated it too. But you just love them. You just love them. Die for, I'd die for them in a, in a heartbeat. You just love them. And Jesus says, do you love me? Will you die for me? Will you follow me? How do, how do we get that amount of love? How does that work in our lives? Here's some references for us to look at from 1 John. It's the key to love and loving God. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. And we know and we rely on the love of God for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. We love because he first loved us. 
Isn't that a wonderful thing that we love? Our, our love is a responsive love. He has shown us love. He has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, Romans says, and he loves us. Um, I came from a home where I didn't have fatherly love. Um, my dad just got up and left one morning when I was six and he never said goodbye and I never saw him or heard from him for 26 years. Uh, that was really tough. Um, my mother was pretty shattered at the time and she married a very violent alcoholic who then was in our family for the next 20-something years. And so I didn't know what it was to have a reliable, loving father in my life. Never had that figure in my home life. Praise God if, you're, if you didn't have that experience. Uh, we eventually caught up with my father after my mother passed away, 26 years later. And so when I went to Bible college, I was really struggling with, you know, God's love and God so loved the world and Father is full of love and all that. So I went up to my, my Bible college principal and I said, I'm really just believe in Jesus, mad follower of Christ, but I'm really struggling with understanding the Father love of God. You know, my experience is not like that. And he was a quirky little guy, a massive introvert, who spoke in a really high squeaky voice. And I just went up to him, he was a very shy man, and I went up and I said, Dr. Knox, I'm really struggling with experiencing God's love in my life, the Father love of God. And he just looked at me and he said, oh, are you now? And I said, yes, so I'm asking. And he said, you should meditate on the cross. Hmm, that's what you should do. You should meditate on the cross. And then he turned around and he just walked off. I'm just left standing there in the food hall of the theological college and there's my principal. That was his counsel. It's the best thing I'd ever heard that we understand the love of God when we meditate on the cross and we see the great, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And so we find the love of God given to us in, in the person of Jesus and, and it's the gift of God to us and he has shown our love in that. So there's that heart question, do you love me? It's a responsive love. And the hands question is, will you serve me? He says to Peter, feed my sheep. On, in three different ways he phrases it. Feed my lambs, take care of my sheep and feed my sheep. And Peter would go on, of course, to be a great shepherd in the New Testament church and if you want to have a look at that, read 1 Peter 5. There's plenty of the detail there. Um, and so our service for Christ doesn't come out of fear. It doesn't come out of guilt. It comes out of receiving God's grace. And it comes out of heartfelt gratitude. I'll say that again. Our serving of God doesn't come out of fear. It comes out of receiving God's grace and being filled with the gratitude that brings in us and so he was called to feed Jesus' sheep. I think God would say to us today, do you love me? I think he would say a second thing, will you serve me? Peter had his calling. Our calling's very different to Peter's, I imagine. Not many people are called to feed the sheep. But I tell you what, I know this to be true. Every person in this building that knows Jesus has gifts, talents, capacities, passions and experiences that God wants us to use to serve him, to build his kingdom, to love others, to bless them, to build them up and to encourage them. Every single person. We say in our movement, every member is a minister. Every person has a ministry. Our job is to find, 
fulfill and function in our God-given capacities. See, we see Peter, he, he is changed from this cowering coward in the courtyard of the high priest and he becomes a, a massively emboldened person. So we find that his encounter with the risen Christ and his empowerment by the Holy Spirit, um, it says in, in Acts chapter 4, then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if you are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to this man because they'd healed him, who was lame and, is, and being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone the builders rejected, has become the head of the corner. And skipping a verse, it goes down, when they saw the courage of Peter and John, they realised that they were unschooled, ordinary men, but they were astonished and took note that they had been with Jesus. I find that a great comfort. I find that a great comfort to know that if we know the risen Christ and we have the Holy Spirit, that there's an incredible empowerment. Friends, we can make up excuses all day long why we can't serve Jesus, we can't move ahead with our lives. But here we have unschooled, ordinary people, non-eloquent, non-educated people, but who found that they were empowered by the Holy Spirit and they knew Jesus and they made an incredible difference uh, in the life of other people. And uh, moving on now, we're going to just look at that second section where Peter and John are talking. Um, uh, and Jesus, there's this thing going on. Uh, from verse 20, um, we can go up to that. Find, pick it up from verse 20. Uh, Peter turned and saw the disciple, this is John, who Jesus loved following them. This is the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and had said, Lord, who is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? Because mm. Peter had just been told about the manner in which he was going to die. Jesus asked, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. Because of this, the rumour spread among the believers and the disciple would not die. But Jesus did not say that he wouldn't die. He only said, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? This is the disciple, John. This is the disciple who testifies to these things and who wrote them down and we know that this testimony is true. Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would have been written. Most history would indicate that Peter was crucified by, uh, under Nero, the Roman emperor, in 64 AD. There is some thought by a few scholars using some sources, that he was crucified upside down. And the thought was that Peter had, may have said, I'm not worthy to be crucified in the same way as Jesus. So crucify me upside down. But that's, that's an area of scholarly speculation and we're not quite sure, sure what happened. John, we find by the time we get to Revelation, when he wrote Revelation as well, of course, of his three other letters, 
we find that he's on this tiny little island of Patmos, which is off the, off the coast of Turkey between uh, Turkey and Greece. There's this little tiny rocky outcrop and it's, it's a barren looking thing. It would have looked like that in Jesus' day, but I googled it. Now it's a Mediterranean resort and it's full of those white and blue things that everybody wants to go and stay in on an Airbnb. And it looks pretty impressive, I tell you, but it would not have been pretty impressive when the Apostle John was exiled there um, toward the end of his life. And so he wrote, these, he wrote that down, and so it would appear that he is very elderly. But Peter had turned to Jesus and said, what about him? Friends, we can live our lives looking at other people and pointing to them and say, what about him? What about her? What about their life? God wants us to focus on our life. Living life, looking at the lives of other people, wondering what God and their blessing and not my blessing and their thing and not my thing, there's no, that's not productive, that's not helpful, that's not fruitful. That doesn't bear things. How long they, what they've got, how long they live, that's their calling in life. We've got to ask ourselves, but what about me? It's never fruitful. We are simply called to do this. We are simply called to to follow Jesus every day, in all our days, no matter how many days we have. And we are called to follow him no matter what those days bring. And so we see that John here, he's the one that has written this down. And in verse 25, is there a statement about if all of these things were written down, I suppose even the whole world wouldn't have enough room for the books. What happened this morning was sacred down here. When people got up and shared, that was sacred space. How many people understand that? That was a beautiful, holy thing that was happening down here. People were sharing their experience of Jesus. I would have think that if everybody here got a chance to talk, there'd be books and books and books and books written about the goodness of God. Hallelujah. Yeah, is that right? How many, th- how many books could this church write about the goodness of God, the faithfulness of Jesus, the provision of God in appalling circumstances? Praise for what you said, sister. That's amazing because that's what God does, restores people. And so we all have our own. We say, I didn't write John's gospel, but we all have our own gospel. We all have our own stories. We all have our own journey with Jesus. And it's the power of our own testimony that we see that. It's like the woman of John 4 at the well. It's like the blind man of John 9. All they did was say, I, I don't know anything, but I know Jesus. And it's powerful and it's persuasive. And so you have your story. You have your journey. And I just want to say to us today, as we come to a conclusion in this message, that no matter how far we fall or how badly we fail, we can be restored We can be renewed and we can be relaunched because we've all encountered the risen Christ. We all have the power of the Holy Spirit living in us. And I just need to say this, the last two years have been tough. Been tough in the church, I know I've led one. Been really hard, hard in people's lives. Many of us feel retracted. Perhaps we might feel a bit benched. We're not in the game as much as we could be or should be. We're feeling benched. The only person that wants to remain, keep us remaining on the bench is the enemy. 
The only one that wants us to stay on the bench is the enemy. I believe that God would say to this church today, my church, our church, I would say it's time to get up, it's time to dust yourself off, and it's time to move ahead to a God-empowered, resurrected, Holy Spirit-fueled future. We need to step by faith into that experience. We need to let him... If there's sin, he's got to wipe the hard drive of that sin away and he wants to put the new program back in our lives. We need to love him with all our hearts and serve him with our hands all our days. And we need to be able to respond yes to two questions. Do you love me? And will you serve me? I believe they're the questions that lay over before us today. Do you love me? And will you serve me? People who have encountered the risen Christ and empowered by his Holy Spirit to step into a bright future. I'm going to ask the band to come up. I've asked them to sing just quietly over a chorus and I'm going to pray for us as a church. I want to pray for us that we might be able to take hold of this, this kind of message of encouragement, this message of faith and that we might be able to look towards the future with a bit of boldness and a bit of knowledge that God is going to uh, do things and as they Sing, I just walked in here today and I was singing over this chorus and I thought that's the thing that God would leave us with out of this message. Just this refrain from this song.